Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Jacked Radio. Before we get started today, I just wanted to let everyone know that this is going to be the last episode of Jacked Radio for a while. It's been an amazing experience so far to be able to talk to these people and share everyone's stories and experience and knowledge with you all who've been listening. But to get the most out of this, it's time to take a step back for a while to recharge and to come back even better next time. So I just wanted to say a thank you to everyone who's listened, who's shared, who's left a review, and I really appreciate you taking the time to do so. So let's get into today's episode. And what a way to round up the first series. Today I'm speaking with Paul Warrior. And not just Paul the coach, but Paul the human being. What started off as a conversation about fitness expanded pretty quickly into all sorts of areas of life. And it's something that I'm really grateful for because it was awesome to speak with Paul so openly about various different aspects of life and how his journey has started in one place and taken him in many different directions over the years. And one of the main things that was great to hear Paul talk about was how he's approached time in lockdown and how actually it's been a time of recharging, of stepping back and of looking at life in a broader perspective, which I think has been a theme for a lot of the people who've been on the podcast. And that was really the point of this whole project to start with was to speak to people as themselves and not as one part of their identity. So I think you'll really enjoy this one and it's, for me, the perfect way to wrap up the first series. So here's episode 13 with Paul Warrior. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to have you on, Paul. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Could you tell the listeners before we get going with what we're going to talk about today, uh, what was your path into the fitness industry and this fitness world that we're in? Um, so I kind of, I guess I didn't really ever do any fitness. I wasn't really a sporty kid. I wasn't really very interested. I was really, really bad at football. I'm actually banned from kicking a football by my brother because usually damages occurred. Last time I kicked the football was in a gym where I told them, don't let me kick the football. And I kicked it and it went up and it, smashed one of the fluorescent lights so yeah so no sporting background whatsoever um and from that i kind of i took up skateboarding and i was super active so i stayed super slim and super fit and was in my youth pretty pretty slim um i went to university uh studied architectural technology in northumbria and i kind of just you know uh, j- just lost that kind of skating side found the student life and just got completely out of shape for a long time um and yeah, I just never found anything in the fit. The fitness didn't work for me. I just didn't feel part of that culture or that community. I didn't get the guys who went to global gyms and things and were doing was a biceps. I, I just was just, it was just a culture that I didn't feel part of. I was in a music scene and I was into skating, but I'd kind of got through, got past that a little bit. And um, I think there was just one point where I just kind of like caught myself in the mirror one day and I was like, holy crap, you don't look like that. Um, and I'd like put on a lot of weight. And at that point, I was starting to realize that perhaps I needed to pursue something a little bit, pursue something, but nothing really grabbed me and I never really understood it. And then one day I stumbled across some stuff written by Mark Twite, who I kind of mentioned him most time people ask, which was, he's a solo alpinist, pretty crazy guy, pretty cool. 
has a thing called Nonprofit in Salt Lake City with Michael Blevins and Aaron and Gackle Keegan, and some cool guys. And yeah, I just kind of read some stuff about him and it resonated. It was this kind of punk rock attitude to training. It was kind of like the music was loud. Everything was a little bit dirty. It was just about going hard and just about really kind of like binning yourself. And, you know, maximal effort stuff combined with the fact he was a, he was a, like a, an ultra endurance athlete. He climbed mountains, um, you know, put himself on his life on the line quite a lot. And he ended up going to train the people from the 300 movie and, um, like later on Aquaman, um, they, they, as a team, they worked with Henry Cavill, uh, for Superman and people like that. So that was kind of my, my gateway into fitness, this kind of culture of people where I was like, oh shit, maybe it isn't just for, you know, listening to Britney Spears and doing bicep curls. Maybe there's like this thing where I can make the music loud and we can go hard. And in the search and a quest for that, I stumbled across a little gym that was just becoming a CrossFit gym. Really, it had been one in the past, but it was just becoming what we know as a CrossFit gym now, which was uh, John Wallace's gym, which was uh, CrossFit Tyneside at the time, now Reebok CrossFit Tyneside. And I went in there and swung some kettlebells around and jumped on some boxes and did some push-ups and it put me on my butt. And I was like hooked instantly, like take my money. I'd had the cash drawn out the bank ready to pay for a month in advance or something like that. I was like, take my money, take my money. And, um, and I just, be, but the gym was tiny. There was only a couple of us actively doing CrossFit. And as a result, we kind of felt like, you know, we were alone in this and we were alone in kind of training and the CrossFit thing. Everyone, all the other gyms we knew and the people we knew were in Manchester and London and other places. So we're very much on our own. Um, with Jordan kind of leading the way at the time, um, trying to figure out this fitness thing and what it meant. Um, so that was kind of like a long winded path into what was happening. Um, because we were at the front, or at least we were like, we felt like there was other gyms around Newcastle as well, but we all were very, like we were quite insular, even though we're part of a bigger community. And um, from that, we just learned. And, and as we learned, more people come along. We were the ones who were like, you know, hey, you guys, you should do this. So you should try this. And this is what it should look like. And, oh, this is what we figured out already. And it was just a massive, like, deep end, steep learning curve. And following that, that just led to a lot of research. Um, I came from my architectural technology background. I've been studying architecture long distance at the time. And there was something just really interesting about the programming and the piecing together of elements that just really intrigued me. So Jordan was focused on being an athlete at the time and running a gym. I was focused on the programming and trying to be the best coach I could. And an athlete came somewhere third, if, if nowhere at all. And yeah, we just kind of like, we just kind of grew in this community. And as the community grew, it grew, eventually grew, you know, now I, I'm not at that gym anymore, but they're, they're kind of like peaking at like around 800 members, which is incredible from just, you know, two, three of us and a, and a plyo box and a cowbell and being sick in a car park. Um, I seem to know. remember seeing those pictures on Instagram at some point, I think. I think it's always pictures of me being sick. I think that's just pretty much how I train. I just think I'm, I'm just a puker. I don't even go that hard. I just instantly feel sick. Um, try to drink coffee and some creatine like directly before a workout and then just like by myself throwing up. It's like, oh, you must have went really hard. No, I'm just a puker. Like, that's <laughs> it. I mean, I do go hard. I usually go out the gate super, super hard, be sick and then spend the rest of the workout crawling around on my, on my ass. Or at least the old variation of me did. Um, now I'm a bit wiser, <laughs> a little bit. So th this isn't to to get a 
like tick the box, nice, neat answer, but more of a kind of thought provoking question. Do you consider yourself then a CrossFit coach? Um, no, I think the whole coaching thing is just a loaded question anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> I coach CrossFit sometimes. Yeah. I instruct CrossFit quite a lot. I'm at the front of a class sometimes and I'm screaming at people and I'm yelling at them and I'm hopefully I'm doing a pretty good job. I focus on doing a pretty good job when I'm there. I enjoy the process of helping people change. I think, um, I think when you're a coach, you're a coach regardless of the sport specific anyway. Yes, some of my clients aim to be top level athletes or local competitor athletes in, in, in the sport that is CrossFit. Um, but I think the coach thing is very much about your dynamic with that individual and about what are you putting into place to help them achieve their goals. And I think that goes way beyond instructing. In fact, sometimes it might not even be instructing because sometimes if there's a better instructor, like it's a weightlifting component, the best thing I can do for that client is to be work to the best of my ability. And then if there is a specialist to, hey, this guy's going to take over this component of your training. And I think that's like a really lost thing. And, and, and it's something that me and Emma Hackett from Limitless, we talk about because we sometimes collaborate with, with athletes. They come to her and they might be recommended to me and vice versa. I might recommend athletes to her. Uh, where their mental game is maybe something that needs, needs to be worked on because ultimately we're working with humans and the fitness component is a very small fragment of it. And I don't believe that, and I think that the coaching element the fitness, the fitness part is that it is the small fragment of it. So for some athletes, I might be their programmer. And for other athletes, I might be an instructor and I might be involved in their physical and metabolic adaptation through programming. And for some athletes, I may only do portion of their program and I will be their coach and I will have employed or they will, they will have employed a weightlifting coach and a gymnastics coach. And I'll take those components and piece them together in a structure that I think is going to work or pretty much know because I'm confident it's going to work. And then I will add in the extra things that are needed within that to get the, to get the best out of the athlete. So we need to consider things like their mental, like their mental state, their mental health, in, in, in terms of performance, like what's limiting them. And then we need to think about their, their sort of metabolic efforts, their, movement their gymnastics that all the components that go into the physical adaptation of, of exercise and training to achieve their goals and then we've got nutritional as well as an underlining one so there's so many fragments within it i just think coaching is a bigger more complex picture and i don't think that getting the word coach written on a t-shirt and screaming at a bunch of people that are making me making them call me coach for, for me on a personal level that's not what coaching is so uh, yeah, the whole thing's a slightly loaded question. So am I a CrossFit? And I know it's semantics for some people, yeah. but do I consider myself a CrossFit coach? Um, sometimes I coach CrossFit. Sometimes I, I program CrossFit. And sometimes I coach uniform personnel and athletes in other sports. And my role changes within that because you need to be the best person you can be for that person in that role that they've asked you to be. And that's not seizing control of everything. Um, and I know that we've had a, a previous conversation about like, you know, like mindset, it's a massive thing. And as much as I, I hang around with a mindset coach, like I'm friends with her. We've worked together a long time. We've collaborated. We've worked on multiple projects together. 
I know a lot about my tech because of that. Um, but ultimately, no, no amount of re of, of reposting mindset quotes online makes me a mindset coach. You know, and I think it's very like it would be very narcissistic of me to assume that if I put all of these things out there, that I am those things. I'm not. Sometimes they're just a really nice comforting piece of information that you know that someone's felt the way that you feel. And maybe some other people can relate to that and we can all get on the same page. That doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean I have the same depth of knowledge of, as Socrates just because I've reposted one of his quotes because I'm not wandering around trying to examine everybody's lives. So I just think it's about understanding your skill set, understanding your role for an individual um, and what you can do for them to get the best out of them and get them towards their goals. And that's, so yeah, I think whether I'm a coach, whether I'm your programmer, I, I, I don't think, you know, in some instances it doesn't matter, but in other, word, in other instances, like the words we use are important and therefore, yeah, it's a complex answer to a really simple question. I do really like the, the big picture thinking and also being open to the fact that you sometimes don't have all the answers. I think we'd be very naive to think I was like I or anyone else was a silver bullet. What I am open to, though, and what I think I've got from my background is uh, I described it to one of my clients, my, uh, Michael Johnson, great guy, master's athlete, super cool, went through some injuries and stuff. And I, he says to him, it was like, my job is to like be above him like a helicopter and see the bigger picture over him, knowing completely where he's going and making sure he's on track and implementing things where they need to be implemented. But ultimately, we have... We've had a weightlifting coach. We've had a rehab specialist. We've had a rugby strength training coach involved because he went through two shoulder surgeries. My my job was to be just an overview and knowing and keeping my eye both on the present but knowing where we need to be equally. So just checking he's going in the right course correction. Like, hey, we've gone off course. We need to navigate back in. And I'll communicate with his nutritionist and I'll communicate with his, with his other coaches and they'll send, they'll be very kind and generous and they'll send their programs through and I will write the pro the full week of training up, but it will have their components in. And, um, and I think that's the way we need to, I think that's like one of the, the cool things you can be as a coach is if you can expand your team and get specialists in, you can understand it and you can even implement it on a, on a very simple scale. I can do, I can do weightlifting coaching. Um, but ultimately sometimes it's like, Hey, but we've got this guy to hand who just happens to create national champions at certain points in the sport. Maybe it's appropriate that we're working maximal lifts. Maybe we get this guy on board cause you know, he can focus a hundred percent on that whilst I'm busy focusing, focusing a hundred percent on, what's going to be better for Michael. And the way that you've described it to me before is a little bit like with your background in architecture, like an architect looking at a building site that you yeah. can, you can almost see this, the person in their goals in the same sort of way. A hundred percent. Like, uh, and that is kind of how I got into programming really is I understood that there was this whole melting pot of ingredients that go into getting somebody where they need to be. And CrossFit is, what's really exciting about CrossFit is there's so many things that people need to be good at. And you need to somehow filter it down into a manageable program. Because ultimately, you need to be brilliant at everything, like gymnastics, weightlifting, you have to be top end on everything. Your endurance has to be, your, even ultra in some ways, has to be incredible. You have to be able to roll a marathon. But equally, you need to 
come in the top, like sort of say six in a weightlifting event as well to be really good at the games. So you need to piece together things. So then you need to start to understand like, like on a building site, hey, someone comes to you, they don't go, hey, uh, I want to, I don't know what building I want. I just want one. They come like, hey, I want you to build me um, a hotel on that web, on that site. And it's like, oh, cool. So you know what hotels are. There's, you kind of get an idea of what a good hotel could look like. Like I've got these really great examples and in the sport of CrossFit. You'd be like, well, that's, that's Matt Fraser. Uh, you know, and it's a bunch of these athletes. So you can start to see what good looks like. Um, and then you've got this site, which is, or this Derek building or site or whatever you want to call it, this thing that's going on that we need to transform from one thing into the next thing. Um, and we know what that looks like. It gives us a good example. And when we know what it looks like, we can actually analyze it. So with a hotel, it would be like, what the room sizes look like? How many rooms? Lobbies, like what's the heating strategy? What's, you know, all of these things with the environmental strategy. And with CrossFit, you can look at it and go, well, what's his aerobic capacity like? What's his time for, what's his 5K time? What's the weights lifted? What's, what can he do? What movements is he capable of? What's his physique look like? And then equally, you can then go deeper into that and you can look at the sport and go, okay, cool. Like they want to train for this specific event. It's like, well, let's look at the historical data on that event. What's the frequency of movements that occur? What's the amount of exercises that occur? What trends are we seeing coming through that we could maybe predict might be involved in the sport in this in this next event that they're training for? But all of a sudden, we've got a pretty cool picture. Like, you know, it's like, oh well, how do you prepare for the unknown? It's not that unknown. We've got historical data. We've got examples of what good looks like. We've got times. We've got domains. Well, times are domains. We've got weights lifted. We've got movements. Even if there's a shift, it's not going to be a humongous shift. And again. We still have the ability to predict what's going to come as well. You know, you don't design a building to be high tech for one year and then be obsolete the year after. You design things for robust robustness and for like your future, try and future proof things. So you try and do that with your client. So from that, when we come to looking at a building, we've got to take all of the components, you know, and the order in which things go in. So we've got like, we need foundations. What are those? We need to build walls. We need to, have the roof on in a certain order so that it can be watertight before we can start electrical fixes and all these other components and things that go on internally and um, plastering walls. We can't do that when the roof's off. So we have to start a structure or program based from getting people from A to B. And that's taken into account things like training the metabolic pathways. How do we do that? How can we bias certain stimuluses, gaining strength, focusing on movements, ensuring that the skill level, and we're trying to reach 10,000 hours of skill, how can we do that across the domain that we're trying to achieve? What areas need improving the most? So from this, we have this kind of complex scenario that sounds like it's a really harsh thing, but when we break it down, actually, it just breaks down into a timeline and a series of events, a series of things that we have to implement. And then we can just look at classic programs. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. And you just look at them in the context of, Hey, well, he's a squat program. Um, what type of squatting are you likely to do in CrossFit? Or what are we trying to achieve from this? Or, hey, what if we start to pair movements up because we understand there's trends between snatches going with a muscle up or snatch of the chest of bar or snatch of the burpees, and we can actually start to predict trends and how we do supersets and complement movements and incorporate into EMOMs and incorporate that into capacity work over like short domains or long domains. And we get to actually just write this really structured thing um for training somebody um that's going to get them where they need to be but 
for me, it was always came from that kind of like a mixture between understanding how to create a building, understanding the process that it takes, but equally the artistic side, which is like taking all the limitations and being as creative as we can to create something that's, you know, visually cool, has an ideology that's really strong. And, you know, and for us, like in terms of ideology, you know, it's, and, and with the business warrior programming, it's about also that like through this process, we're expecting to have physical adaptation, neurological adaptation, increased in, you know, mental skill set, um, mental toughness improvements, nutritional changes. So, you know, and hopefully even maybe support their lifestyle so they don't ruin their lives trying to be good athletes. With all of the things that have kind of, you know, changed over the years in CrossFit, be that, you know, the events that have happened, you know, you spoke about there's, you can look back and, you know, now we have this historical data of, you know, what's happened over the years, what sort of times there are. Putting the, the kind of technical bits to one side, have you seen a change in the world and the culture of CrossFit over the years since you got into it? Yeah, I think the scene generally in CrossFit, it's weird. It's kind of twofold. CrossFit itself as, a, as HQ is the body of CrossFit. I feel has shifted much more on a, on a health focus. I feel like they've detached slightly from being a spectacle in regards to just the sporting aspect. Um, so HQ now has more like, um, let's say more masters and older generation athletes. Um trying to improve their physicality and it's really simple exercises, sitting down on chairs, standing up, carrying jugs of de-ice or water and things like that and trying to make it much more applicable to everyone to improve health. And I think given the fact that we're in a time of pandemic where uh, chronic illness is a big cause, you know, is a big um, uh, COVID-19 accelerates death, especially if it's, you know, you've got a chronic issue and they can be related to nutrition and health and well-being um so they've like totally nailed it on that aspect at the same time the local competitive scene what people get into crossfit to do um most of them want to compete at a local level um we've now got sanctional events that are just popping up everywhere so people are totally competitive and trying to get to sort of you know to be part of that to be filtering through to a top end and then we've still got the games which is a humongous event um so yeah i mean it's gone from being a couple of guys having an attitude to just like going really, really hard and seeing what they're capable of to now this just incredibly massive business with 650 boxes in the UK. Um, and HQ are really putting out a message of health now. And, you know, the games and, and that side are really putting out like, you know, this competitive element is still, you know, a big headline and great for TV and for Instagram. Have you found that culture within boxes has changed with CrossFit getting bigger and bigger? I think just because of the magnitude, like the amount of people coming through the door and the accessibility of it has completely changed. So I think the culture when we first started was just a group of people who actually probably, we were kind of pariahs in the fitness industry because you know everyone was bashing us and telling us that CrossFit wasn't this thing, that we're all going to lose our gains and, you know, and still some strength and conditioning coaches are still like, it doesn't work it doesn't matter how many people you make amazing and watch what they're capable of and achieving. Some strength and conditioning coach is going to be like, yeah, it's still, uh, it still sucks. Everyone's losing their gains. It's not true. Um, so yeah, so we went from this being prized and it was all just about was like proving ourselves right and, and just kicking ass and turning the music up to 11. I think, um, and as the sporting aspect came into it, I think, I think socially 
um, it changed where I think it went from just effort was the biggest kind of currency you had to actually ability. Like actually the currency, like the popular kids at the gym became the ones who could do the complex stuff. And your self-worth became very associated with what you could do. And that, that was the benchmark of whether you were fit or not was whether you could do these complex gymnastics movements like muscle-ups. And I think that culture changed, changed it around. And then that's become even even bigger and, and more elevated as it becomes more accessible. And there's all of these events that have got scaled categories. So like, you know, lower level athletes and newbies can kind of start to go out and competing, um, and never to a question of whether they should, but then there is. So then your social status starts to become based around these events you're going to and how you, how you attend them and how many people show up. And actually it's incredible that, box culture is growing to a point where we've got people who are now competing in sport on a daily basis and all of these things. But I think there's also a social aspect and a social responsibility that comes through when people become athletes and dynamics within the gym start to change and you start ended up having, you know, you've got big gyms and you end up with cliques and you end up with little groups of people and it becomes, you know, the bigger, the bigger anything becomes, the more it becomes like a schoolyard. So there's lots of positives in it. But I think, um, and I think, and I see some negatives in it, which is, you know, as the social aspect increases, I think our, I want to say, I'm going to say shepherding of the people that we have within our community needs to increase that it takes into consideration the psychological benefits. Because, you know, if someone's not feeling great in a gym or someone's being bullied and, and we don't see it as bullying, but, you know, if people aren't respecting other people's experience in what should be their happy place it becomes um you know it becomes an issue um and as coaches and owners then we need to take it to a point of reminding ourselves that we're figureheads and community heads and not best mates um so i think the community grows and i think we just have to continue to grow with the community and start to think equally about the social and aspect side of coaching um in equal proportion to the attention that we like to pay to movements like squats and wall balls and pull-ups and things like that. You mentioned before that you've, so you've moved away from, uh, from kind of the big box gym scene and, um, onto more of your own stuff since. And obviously there's, there's been a period of, uh, like an interim between those two things. Um, what, what was it that I guess, like that made you like want to, want to make that shift? Um, it, to be honest, I I got into I got into CrossFit searching for the small Jim Jones, badass music, skate culture, kicking ass kind of thing, um, and it was much more about the culture of the culture of exercise and the culture of effort, much more than the than the big thing that it came. And I lost myself a little bit in becoming a coach in this box that was turning into this super box and had all of the equipment. And it was really exciting and. Jordan's totally slayed it with what he's built there, but it was becoming, I was becoming further away from who I was. And that was never what I wanted. I wanted to just be in a dark room on my own or with a couple of close friends and it's like just going wild. And, and equally the people that I wanted to work with and spend time with, you can't because you, you're trying to, you know, kind of instruct or coach um, a whole bunch of people in front of you. And it's great that you get the opportunity and it's great that the magnitude of people coming through, it's like so many people getting fitter and healthier. But at the end of the day, that was never what it was about for me. And because it became, because I had an opportunity to make it a career, I just ended up following that path and going and going and going and going until what I really loved 
it, we got further away from and further away from. Um, so it became a shift. I decided I, I decided I was going to leave. I stepped away, and I spent some time insisting I was never going to open up a gym, and I and I wasn't going to open up a gym until I had a chance meeting, or not a chance meeting, but I went to Salt Lake City to meet uh, the guys at the nonprofit and have a conversation. Had a couple of conversations with those guys, and came back and um, bought some equipment and have spent the time. The things that I'm talking to you about about the mental aspect of training, but also the physical stuff and the stuff I enjoy and what I think is relevant to people to become more capable so they can have a, you know, a better life and be, be able to do more stuff than anyone else could. Um, I started to look about what equipment I needed to make that happen. It was kind of like riffing off the CrossFit culture for sure. Like it's, I'm, I'm not certainly not pretending it's anything different. Um, but then looking at the other training methodologies that I'm really into and starting to just stop and think, okay, that was what we did because it was CrossFit because we followed a model of gyms. I say, like, what was going to happen if I just take that away and we start to talk about like, why are we doing this? What do we want from this? What should it look like? Do I need to do that movement? What about if we do this movement instead? And then looking around at the world of like calisthenics, like those guys are totally nailing it with the gymnastic stuff. Looking at some of the incredible like people doing odd object stuff, like a firm believer in that, it's much more practical. Life isn't a six foot bar that's 28 millimeters with some knurling on it that we can grip and chalk. That's not life. Um, and I found that using the objects has made me way stronger than, and, and way more robust than I've ever been. So it just give me an opportunity to step back and rethink. And, and as that kind of my interpretation of the training methodology has been coming clearer and clearer and clearer. Um, and then I was lucky enough to stumble across a, um, a small facility, a little place um, that needed nothing doing to it because I didn't want anything doing to it. Um, and yeah, we found a little home for me, um, Brian, my training partner, um, Elodie, uh, she's part of it with me, and, um, and Celia Gabbiani, who's like a pretty cool athlete, who came over from France. And yeah, we've got this little place now, which is home, and we're implementing the theory that we've been discussing. And this is the campfire, right? Yeah, this is the campfire. Wicked. So, what's what's that all about? You mentioned all these people coming together. What what is what kind of, you know, what is the campfire? Uh, so, I kind of described it. I have described it as the interstitial moment between theory and effort of theory and application. So, it's the point where, like, we're around people and some incredible thinkers who talk about the theory of effort and all these things, and we, we totally love what they're doing and they're implementing it in their own way. And we're at the same, we've come from this CrossFit background, all of us. And, you know, we, we have some theories and we have some thoughts there, and we wanted a place where we had the space to talk about it, to figure out what that looked like without, you know, having to be like, we've got a class starting in 15 minutes, with the breathing space to sit there and go, what matters to us what are the what are the values like how does this work because we understand the process of training people but we also think there's some other valuable components such as the mental toughness stuff that could be implemented in our training and how to how would that manifest that manifest itself in a training session um so yeah so we've we became a place for conversation uh a place where we could have those conversations and then we can see if it worked we could apply it and implement it into our own training. 
Um, so the campfire was a place for us to have discussion and implement things. Um, and we give ourselves the room to do that. Um, as a result, the CrossFitter is getting incredibly strong and Elodie's working on some powerlifting and she's getting incredibly strong and we're bulking right up and he's getting incredibly massive. And, you know, we've, we're, we're implementing the strategies and the ideologies that we're just discussing, but then we're, you know, maybe changing the work or what the, the daily efforts look like for the individual. And we're seeing incredible results because we've been able to control the environment and control and kind of like have an influence and think about the other factors that might go into making that individual better. So rather than your, your kind of traditional approach to, I, I say traditional in quotation marks, approach to a what some people might consider a CrossFit gym, it's more of a, a step back where you can see this kind of physical theory on on one side of how do we become more able human beings and the philosophy behind you know what what allows us to lead the life that we want. And it's a chance for you guys to all step back and have conversations about that before yeah. stepping back into it. Yeah, and then when we get other people in, you know, uh, at times we grab gatherings and we have other people contribute to that conversation and we like to have an output from that. And other times we have people who want to come in and they just want to be the byproduct of that. They're not interested in the discussion, but they are discussions that we've had, like me and Elodie and the rest of the team. And they're discussions that we've had and we're implementing that. And it was kind of like, and it's great because it's like, for me, it's... Uh, cross-cultivated me into other um, other modes of training. So I coach um, a handful of incredible yoga instructors, which is very far removed from what most people would do or what they thought I might work with. But um, I had an opportunity to work with them and work alongside them. And, and we've had a discussion about what capability looks like for them because they have incredible range, uh, very flexible, etc. And it's always like, well, yeah, they're just going to break themselves. And I'm like, well, what about if I make these ones kind of unbreakable, but they can still do the cool stuff that they can already do? What would that look like? What if they can start pressing out them, them handstand things they do? What if they can start pressing out of them? You know, what if their um, strength complements their range? And yeah, I mean, fundamentally, their function is a yoga instructor. So if I took that element away from them, I'm, break I'm taking them away from their function. But it's like, what can I do to complement them to make them robuster so that they don't injure themselves in the long term or what can I do so that we can maybe complement some stuff with some low impact metabolic stuff so that their actual energy systems or just, you know, for other, for other people like their general fitness improves so they can live a longer, healthier life. And, you know, we have that, I had that, you know, some of that discussions are in my head, some of them are with the guys. Um, but this is something that we had practice on them and pardon me. Um, a few weeks down the line, about a few months down the line, all of the girls were doing handstand push strip, all doing handstand push-ups. You know? So it's like, okay, these people that you want to be like, hey, fragile, they're like, no, they're not. They're pretty badass, actually. So, and and, and I would never have had the scope to do that and to ex not experiment because it's not really, I'm not testing, they're not guinea pigs. But I wouldn't have had, I probably wouldn't have had the scope in a large gym facility to really invest that time because they would have been part of a collective and I'd have been like, hey, everyone, we're just doing this thing because it's super important rather than looking at them and going, hey, your function is a yoga instructor, but how can we complement that? How can we you know, make you cool? How can we upgrade you? And that was the dialogue. And ultimately, you know, having fun is part of their, their description. So it's like, well, okay, we also need to try and make these sessions enjoyable as well. 
Um, you know, so it's kind of like a, the kind of discussion and the dialogue is usually very similar, but what you think or your vision of somebody, the, the better version of them or the more physically capable version of them, what that looks like is different for an individual. If you walked in, I wouldn't be going like, hey, you need great range. You know, like, it would be like, hey, what, what you're after? You would be like, I'm, I want to get jacked and deadlift 400 kilos. Like, okay, cool. Right, okay. Get the milk. Um, <laughs> Who my- told you? Who told you that's what I wanted? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what everyone wants. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, that's, so like, I know that's quite long-winded, but the thought process behind it all really is, it's about having these discussions. And maybe for some people, it's just in here and then it's like, yeah, just do this, do this. But for me, it's like, well, actually, like, it's not about telling you to do it. It's about figuring out what it is you want to do and how we're going to get there. And then making you want it as much like I want it for you, because that's what you've asked me to do. You want it for you. We're in a good place. That's a pretty good start. How do we continue that? And um, so, yeah, so that's kind of, and that, that is my like approach to training. Um, and my much preferred approach to training. Um, that doesn't mean that group exercise for everybody is a bad thing. I mean, it's cool and it gives people a lot of community and a lot of chance to be together, especially, you know, if your real reason for training is just so, you know, you can have that tub of Ben and Jerry's and you just want to enjoy an hour of your day, like do it. But, you know, I'm quite excited by the, the architectural problem of, hey, how do we get someone from here to here and what's that look like and how can we make their lives better? Because you can make people get from here and get to their goal and they can be miserable and hate their lives or turn into absolute dicks. You know, there's no guarantee that that version of them is going to be a good person. You know, if they want it for the wrong reason, like, you know, um, so you need to make sure that the person who's at the other end is better. And what I guess does better, what does better look like if the end of at the end of it divorced and was other crap's gone on and you know they they can't put the scales down because they can't stop measuring food and all of these things go on you know yeah they achieved their goal and maybe that's great for a temporary moment but ultimately have they enriched their lives and have you helped them um no not at all so we've got to look at like what does what does better look like and what what not just he's the you the athlete but he's you the life as well you know what some things you have to give up to get to where you want to um and not all of them you're going to want it and i guess that kind of goes back to your you know when i asked you the the very um difficult yes or no question of are you a crossfit coach that actually you know you you see and this is a much bigger picture and i think that's it's not just about you as a coach that's about you know you helping other people to see that as well that you know it's not boxing yourself into a and b but it's also seeing the big picture too yeah i mean if you want to come in the gym and just get abs i mean we can make that happen but (laughs) but who do you want to be when you've got them yeah well what's it what's that going to fix because the chances are you're going to get the abs and you're going to be so blind to yourself you'll never see them how many people look back at a picture of them and go, oh, I was in a mint shape there. But when they were there, they were miserable because they wanted to get better. You know, um, you know, I, I've done the getting people abs. <laughs> it's not, it's not that hard. You know, it's uh, what, what we need is a t-shirt that just says, look, pa- look past the abs. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
there's more to me than this six pack. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the deep work too. <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, we, we've been in a, a very strange situation in the last three months. You kind of, you briefly touched on it about, um, you know, looking at the big picture of health right now. Um, but lockdown has, has been a time where we have, um, obviously everyone's had their own individual experiences, but you know, that there has been this extra time to, to do with whatever we will. Um, what has that, what has this been like for you? And I know it's something that, that I've definitely spoken about with people and we've spoke about before about this being a time to reflect and think about, you know, maybe what sort of tools you got in your arsenal, what sort of things you might need to look on and yeah. review. What's, what's it been like for you over the last couple of months? Um, I feel like everything you say, you have to caveat these days with like, yeah, social distancing or like, yeah, I do feel <laughs> for people. I do feel for people who struggle. Like we've tried yeah. to as coaches, our job is to enforce that people do safe shit. Mm-hmm. But also think for yourselves a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, to, to be honest, for me, it's been a massive blessing. Yeah. It's been, and it's been incredible. I mean, it's been an incredible time. I mean, I very sadly, I mean, I didn't want to go my personal life, but I very sadly lost my dog like three weeks into it. And people who know me will know that, uh, yeah, he was like my best friend, like, like most dog owners, you know, absolutely yeah. my, my world. Totally and, feel you. And, you know, I had, I had three weeks, three final weeks for them. And every morning I woke up and, he barked at like 5.40 every morning and I'd go down and I'd go, uh, I'd go put him on the back and then I would like line the sofa with him and then I'd make breakfast and then I'd read to him and then we'd have a nap and then we'd go for a walk and then I ate every meal with him. I did that for three weeks. Like he was happy like right until the end, wagging his tail. He was just struggling. And um, like it's hard not to see that time as like, you know, for me on my personal life, on my personal journey, like in no other circumstance in my life would have I had the being forced to be in that scenario and it was an absolute blessing and then when i lost him and it was really tragic i was then able to sit and process that which i i would have just compensated with work i would have just worked my butt off and ignored it and i got to sit with how i felt about that and figured out it was a massive blessing and then i hadn't been taken away from me but he'd been given to me for 12 years which was like you know deep work i've been really lucky that i kind of seeked mindset stuff a long time ago from a hack it from limitless and so I've done a lot of the deep work and the introspective work. Um, so for me, I kind of was, all, luckily I was already there and I was able to just process a lot of stuff and to take time to think on things. Um, I was able to sit with like, you know, when you have bad feelings going through your head, like, yeah, 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 that guy's a dick. And then you get the, I had, the, I had enough of a pause in my life to turn around and go, yeah, Paul, like, it's pretty shit of you to think that. Maybe you should go away and think why you think he's a dick because thinking it is making you a dick. And then you go up, up then you go like, I had the opportunity to think and reflect on those things. And every time something that cropped up that I didn't like about myself or I didn't like and I wanted to react about anything, uh, one of my friends like suffered a bit of mild racism. And I, old Paul wanted to go batshit. Um, and um, instead, we kind of talked through it about how he felt about it and about where he was at with it and what he wanted to do and how we needed to deal with it rather than just going guns blazing on the internet. And like he came through it, he came through it. He's like legit, like an incredible attitude for a young lad. Um, and things got dealt with professionally and not in a, not in a bad way. 
where, again, I'd learned something about myself, which was about how to be supportive of another person rather than feel like I had, oh, well, you've done it to my friend, so I can act like a dick because if it's a free, a free, free reign for me to just act like a twat. And it's not that we didn't do anything, it's that we did the, did the right thing rather than the wrong thing, which is to, you know, someone's being a dick, stop feeding them. Like, starve them out and do the right things the right way instead of answering it. So, you know, there's been so many introspective moments in this time that I feel utterly blessed alongside the opportunity and the freedom to look at the projects I've been working on and making sure that I'm doing those with the best values and the best intentions I can. And that's been an incredible time to work on those projects and generate uh, a new, uh, basically it already started, but really work hard on a, on a business called uh, Fend for Yourself, which is a nutrition business working on health. And um, spending some time working on that and its values and realizing like, hey, this is what we want to do and I'm really passionate about this. So let's, let's do this right. I've been able to connect with my family more. I've been able to um, connect with my friends and, you know, you get to establish with your friends. That's what this, you know, it's a giant shitstorm for the world, but in it, we've had the greatest weather. I've got the sickest friends and um, I've been able to really focus on some really cool stuff. And I've regained my training. I'm taking control of it. And I love it more than I've ever loved it in my life. My purpose for training, my reason for training used to just be, I felt like I had to because I was a coach um, or I had to show that I was doing it. Or I had to, and now I'm just like, no, I just want to train. I don't care what anyone else thinks. Like I just want to train because I love it and I want to be healthier. I've taken complete control of my, of my nutrition. I've really increased my cooking and my capability in that side of my life. So, um, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, we can look at what's been taken away, or we can look what we've been given, and make a list of like what you're going to reintroduce. Like, what are you really missing? One of my friends was like, "Oh, I managed to go for a social. Like, the best thing ever. All I want to do is go for and have Sunday lunch with my mate. That's all I want to do on a Sunday." And I'm like, "Yeah, but when you were not in quarantine, you were working every Sunday for people for like fifty quid." how about you just lose the 50 quid and go and spend your time with your mates when this is over? And he's like, yeah, so maybe just take a note of what you want to reintroduce, what you want to keep the same. And maybe write a big thing on your door that says, I am not going to do this bullshit thing again. And, you know, from that, we might get some growth. I think that is the perfect point to actually round things up on because, it summarizes really nicely a lot a lot of clearly a lot of the things that you've taken but a lot of the things that i also think are really you know important for us all to to look at and to try and take from this time too um so thank you very much for that eloquent summary of of you know how things have been for you i don't think i've been called eloquent before thank you <laughs> <laughs> and for for people who want to come and see a little bit more of a little bit more warrior um with warrior programming with campfire with fend for yourself where are the best places for people to come and find you instagram <laughs> paul <laughs> underscore warrior underscore underscore i've got like a link tree to all of whatever those things are that's the apparently that's all of the things that i kind of work on all the projects i've got wicked so we'll we'll, uh, we'll make sure there's a link in there and we'll send people to your instagram thank you very much awesome mate and thank you very much for coming on absolute pleasure Cheers, mate. Once again, I'd just like to say thank you to everybody for listening, not only to this episode, but to all the episodes right from the start. This is a project that I've been meaning to get going for a long time, and 
I've been afforded the unique position of having the time to do it during this period of lockdown in the coronavirus pandemic. It's been an amazing experience for me so far, talking to all these people, and I really hope you've enjoyed me trying to share as best as I can their stories, their knowledge, their experience, and their insights as well, in not just looking at health in one regard, but in a multi-dimensional way, not just taking into account the physical, but the mental, the spiritual, the emotional, the social, the financial, everything. It's been a great journey so far, and I'm really looking forward to the next part already. But for now, it's time to take a step back. Oh, and one last thing. I still really appreciate a share, a like, a comment, a review, all that stuff, because it helps me get more views and it gets these stories out there as much as possible to as many people as possible, which is something I'm truly grateful for. And on that note, I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger and just say I'm looking forward to season two already.